I am, um, I'm an optimistic person sometimes. Sometimes I'm that glass half full. And shame on those of you who are thinking right now, no, you're not. Um, you know, the, uh, I, I am always optimistic about how much I can get done in the time I have. I am. I mean, it's, uh, it, I always think I can get so much done in the time I have. Now, the reality is much different than, than my hopes um, because I rarely get done. Uh, I, I, usually, I usually plan on more than I could possibly get done on there and things usually take longer than I expect if I had to uh, if I was an estimator um, for anything to do that for a living I would have died of starvation long ago um, just be, that's just the way it is but I'm optimistic about that I am optimistic about every project that I build in my mind how it looks and how it's going to turn out now again the reality is when it's done uh, uh, you know I can be pleased with it there was a time where I couldn't you know in my life but I've learned I can be pleased with it I can also show you every single um, mistake that I made because sometimes I have also been accused of being a pessimistic person the glass half empty um, I think I'm a realist and some of you just have a hard time with reality I mean that's that's what it is. I am simply a realist, and some of you have a very difficult time uh, accepting reality. Uh, often I will see the challenges in any project, and, and then I will point them out. Um, you know, when I do something or I'm involved in something, um, I can tell you uh, how it can be done better or how it could be done differently. Uh, and again, I have learned sometimes just to keep my mouth shut, uh, but then sometimes I haven't. Uh, when I get started with something, uh, one of my problems is I can tend to push too hard or I can tend to push too far, not only others, but even myself. That's how I ended up doing marathons, because, you know, if a little's good, more is better. You see, and, and uh, part of that being my philosophy in life, it's kind of fun with M&Ms, but it's not so much, you know, when, when, you're, when you're running. Um, you know, and so I have learned sometimes the hard way, really, uh, that some people are not interested at all in the challenges, um, you know, the, and, and they'd rather not hear about them. Some do not want to hear how it could have been done better. And I have learned also by experiences, most people don't like being pushed. You know, and that, that's just, um, I think I approach some things with a maybe. Or maybe not. You know, I mean, uh, you know, a, a maybe isn't clear. A maybe can be confusing. You know, and, and it can be confusing to others. Today we're going to look at the Apostle Thomas, sometimes referred to as Doubting Thomas. And I think that's an unfortunate mischaracterization of him. Uh, but maybe not. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for those you have chosen. And uh, why we didn't get to meet them face to face. We get a glimpse of them in Scripture. We get a glimpse of them in your word. And for that, we're grateful. We're grateful that uh, we can see not only how ordinary these guys are, but your tra life-transforming power at work in them, the transformation in them. For some, it's more obvious than others. Uh, Father, we pray that as we look today into your word, that you would teach us that you would show us as we see uh, some of the qualities in Thomas and some of the ways that you not only touched his life, uh, but the life of those around him, that we too might have our life touched by you. So guide our thoughts in time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
Now, Thomas is listed, there's four lists of the apostles in the New Testament. Thomas is listed in all four of those, but we really get the picture of him in the Gospel of John. So turn with me to John chapter 11. It's kind of, it's the first glimpse we get into his character. Um, John chapter 11, page 989 in the Pew Bible, if that's the one you're using. The first 16 verses is what we're going to um, look at there. Now, uh, the information, really with the information we get from John, it's a, it was a little surprising to me that none of the other gospel writers uh, wrote anything and gave us any information about Thomas other than his name. Um, now, overall in Scripture, as you see it, Thomas um, seemed maybe perhaps to lean a little bit toward the negative, maybe that glass half-empty guy, Eeyore number two, perhaps, but maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, let's back up, actually, back up just a little bit into uh, verse 40 of chapter 10. It's going to give us a, big, a better picture uh, of the interaction that happens in chapter 11. So just back up just a little bit, verse 40 there of chapter 10. It says, so he, that's Jesus, he departed again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier, and he remained there. Many came to him and said, John never did a sign, but everything John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Now hold that spot for just a minute. Hold that spot there, you know, as we're, as we're reading. Now look, Jesus had been ministering around Jerusalem. And as he had been ministering, you know, in and around Jerusalem, the Jewish leaders were expressing increased opposition to him. And in part of that increased opposition, they had already talked about the possibility of having him killed. That was already something that had been discussed among them as we read through the scriptures. Now, Jesus knew that it wasn't time for the crucifixion yet, and Jesus lived by God's time, not by man's time. And you know, is he, one of the things that would be really good for us to be able to grasp a hold of, but it, uh, you know, it's a challenge for us. So, you know, he crosses the Jordan River here, it says, and he returns to the place where he first encountered his apostles, where John had been baptizing where John had done his ministry, you know, for John the Baptist's ministry. Um, you know, and Jesus and his, his it's, it's really kind of an area um, more than a specific city. Uh, and here it says in verse 42, you know, that they were having quite a successful time of ministering. Many believed in him there. So what was happening is he had withdrawn a little bit and was having great success in the ministry. It says many were believing in, in him there. That's, the, that's what comes out. Verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1. Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant, fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, This sickness will not end in death, uh, but for, it is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, uh, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Rabbi, the disciples told him, just now the Jews tried to stone you and you're going there again? Aren't there 12 hours in a day, Jesus answered. If anyone walks during the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees by the light of this world. If anyone walks during the night, he does stumble because the light is not in him. He said this, and then he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll get well. 
Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus then told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go so that we may also die with him. Now, before we get into this a bit more, notice right there at the end, you know, Thomas, he's another apostle known by two names. Holman Christian Standard says Thomas, who was also called twin. Uh, that's a translation of what some of the other versions have. The other, some of the other English versions say, you know, also called Didymus. Uh, some of you have a footnote in your, in your Bible that Thomas is Aramaic and Didymus is the Greek, both of them meaning twin. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us anything about his twin. It, it, now, it doesn't tell us anything, but one thing we, we can know, you know, by, well, I'm, it's actually an assumption because maybe it didn't happen this way. I think they have the same birthday. Just a guess. Just a guess, you know. But the, but the Bible really doesn't tell us anything there. But it does tell us while they're having this great ministry, while they're having this great ministry in that area, then Jesus receives word sent from Mary and Martha, that Lazarus was sick. Now the sisters, you know, sent that message to Jesus. The unspoken implication here is that Jesus was going to do something about it. That Jesus was going to heal him would be the unexpressed, the unspoken implication there. They had a relationship with Jesus, and it says that Jesus loved Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus. It says that, you know, he loved them, and he had been with them before. He had stayed with them. You know, he had had meals in their home. They had interaction. They had, you know, the, the, this camaraderie that was there. Uh, the close relationship, it's obvious, verse 3, you know, it says, it says, Lord, the one you love is sick. It was a mutual relationship. Jesus loved them. They loved Jesus. You know, there was this mutual relationship, yet notice what it says after receiving the news it says he stayed two more days where he was seems like an odd response to us it seems very strange that he would stay there two more days but again it's a reminder to us jesus operated on the father's time not on our time you know, the, the, what he does isn't, you know, for, for our schedule. Not being able to pinpoint exactly where he was at, it just says across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing earlier. Again, an area, not necessarily a specific city. Uh, some, some scholars feel that it, it, perhaps Lazarus was already dead when they were delivering this message because... He stayed there two more days, and it tells us later, we're not, we're not going to go that far in the passage today, but it tells us later when, when Jesus got there that Lazarus had been in the tomb four days. So he'd already been dead four days. It took him, he waited two days. Uh, some feel that, you know, maybe he was already dead when Jesus originally got the message. Now, I think the point for us here is, you know, that Jesus knew Lazarus' condition. Is none of this was a surprise to Jesus. He knew Lazarus' condition. And he knew what he was going to do. And he knew the perfect timing in which to do that. His apostles did not know those details. Even though they were once chosen by him, even though they were once close to him, even though they were ones who had been taught by him, they did not know these details. Now, it's obvious, but one of the things that we really need to remember 
is that God knows more than we do about every situation we're in. It's obvious, but we really need to grasp a hold of that. We really need to, you know, we really need to, to remember that he knows more than we do about every situation we're in. And it's not maybe. He knows more about every single situation we're in. Sometimes we don't act like we know this. Sometimes we don't pray like we know this. Sometimes we don't talk to others like we know this. We were a little bit more like the apostles here who felt they had to inform or remind Jesus, you know, they tried to stone you. Just, you know, don't you remember? What are you doing? Don't you remember? They tried to stone. And we approach, we approach Jesus, we approach God the same way sometimes. Let us, let us remind you of these things, Lord. Perhaps you've forgotten. Maybe you don't understand. Now, we're not told, but Thomas certainly could have been one of those who thought they needed to point this out to Jesus. It just says some of his apostles. You know, now God knows more about every situation than we do. Discuss it with him, but don't forget. You know, discuss it with him, but don't forget that he knows all about it already. He knows more than you do. He knows how these pieces fit together. Notice then they even tried to talk Jesus out of going. When he tells them, he says, you know, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. What's their response? Sleep? Well, sleep is good. You know, if he's sick, he needs to sleep. When I go, if you're in the hospital and I go to see you and I go into the hospital room, if you're sleeping, I will not wake you up, just so you understand that. I will not wake you up. You need, you're in there to get better. You're not in there to visit with me. You know, so when I go to see someone in the hospital and they're sleeping, I don't wake them up. You know, particularly, you know, the, in, in the hospital, you know, it's hard enough to get sleep sometimes anyway, and I figured they, they need to sleep. Well, the disciples, if he's sleeping, this is a good thing, Lord. So he's sleeping, he'll wake up, and, you know, he'll probably feel much better. He's probably going to feel great after he wakes up. What he needs is, a, what he needs is, is more rest. You know, this is, a, this is a good thing. You know, when Jesus says something, just follow him. You know, when he tells us something, just follow him. Do what he says. He knows what's best. Now, we really want to look at Thomas's response there. Verse 19, Thomas, you know, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, verse 16, let's go so that we may die with him. Thomas could see nothing but disaster ahead. Thomas didn't see this working out well. He just didn't see that this was, this was a good scenario that they were stepping into. But did you notice? He still didn't think that that was a reason to abandon Jesus. Even though he thought this was just a, one, this was a colossal mistake, he didn't think that that was reason enough to step aside from Jesus. He didn't think that it was reason enough to leave Jesus' side. His attitude seems to be, you know what? Life's not worth living if I'm not living it with Jesus. If he's going there and they're going to stone him to death, I'm going there and I'm going to die too. You know why? Because I want to be with him. 
And even though he saw nothing but disaster, nothing but trouble there, you know, in his mind, he was going to go. Because he felt it was, it seems to feel it was better to die than to live without Jesus. A fully committed pessimist. You know, even if things don't seem like they're going to work out as you had hoped, stay with Jesus. Even if what is ahead looks like it's going to be a disaster to you, stay with Jesus. Stay with him. Walk with him. A relationship with Jesus is not about everything going well. We will still have problems. That promise nobody wants to claim. In this world, King James Version, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Oh, we like that part. I'm going to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. We don't like the part. In this world, you will. Not maybe. You will have trouble. You will have tribulation. You will have battles. You will have struggles. You know, a relationship with Jesus is not about everything going well. Stay with Jesus because that is better than going through life without him. The next place we see Jesus in John's gospel is in John chapter 14. Flip back a few pages, page 993. Uh, this is where Thomas, another encounter with Thomas and Jesus. Did I say the next place we see Jesus? I'm at the next place we see Thomas. You see Jesus a lot more than Thomas. Uh, this, take, this, this event here in, in chapter 14, this took place just hours before his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. We just celebrated the, you know, their last Passover meal, that final Passover meal together. We remembered here, talked about you know, with communion. And here, this is right after that last Passover meal with his apostles. Now, this was after Judas left the group to go betray Jesus. Uh, verse 1, John chapter 14, verse 1, one of my favorite passages. Uh, you know, your heart must not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now keep in mind, he is talking to devout Jews here. All of the, all of the apostles were Jews. And a devout Jew would never, ever violate the first commandment. They knew the first commandment even better than we do. You know, from Exodus 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Now, some of you are used to the translation that, you know, don't have other gods before me. And we think, well, that just means he's first. No, no, this is the picture right here of what he wants. You don't have any other gods besides him not as in besides but as he is the one and he is the only he is the only god that you are to have now jesus is not asking them to violate this command what he is telling them here is that he is equal to god the father he is telling them that he is god 
a more literal, a more literal rendering of the first verse of, of, of uh, John 14 is in the same way you believe in God, believe in me that way. That is more literally what he is telling them. Yeah, and he knows, you know, that these are his last moments with them. He knows and he understands, you know, that he's going to be arrested, he's going to be crucified, and what he wants to be with them is very clear. He doesn't want them to miss the importance of what he is telling them. And he is preparing them for his death on that cross. And a more literal rendering of verse 2 is where he's, he would say, my going prepares that place for you. That is a more literal rendering of, of, the, the, of that wording there. It's not I'm going, you know, and I'm going there, and, you know, when I get there, then I'm going to start working on this place for you. You know, this is what we talk about sometimes. Like, he's up there with the saw, zuba, zuba. And he's cutting this thing, and he's building it. And when your place is ready, he's calling you. No, 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 no. No, no, get your head out of the fairy tales, okay? And get it in the Bible where he said, my going prepares that place for you. It is ready. Uh, some of you are nervous now. It is ready right now. It is ready. Why? Because his going, his going, his broken body, his shed blood prepared that place for us. It is ready. And this is what he's telling them. And this is what they were hearing. In the same way you believe in God, believe in, that, believe in me, that same way he's telling them. To devout Jews. My going is going to prepare that place for you that where I am, there we will be. There we will be together again. And he is telling them this. And, and, and they, you know, they, are, they are getting it. They are understanding, you know, they are understanding a little bit more. Now, they didn't get it because, you know, a little, you know, they, they still have these, this, they all took off. I mean, when he was crucified, they, you know, they struggled with it. We're going to see some of that here in a minute. You know, but they, they understood he was going away. That was troubling to them. They wanted to be with Jesus. That's the struggle we have, isn't it? When someone dies, when someone goes, we want to be with them. Uh, it's hard. You know, when we... Uh, we'll have to see him. This past Friday... Uh, it was 30 years. I can't believe it's that long. It was 30 years that my brother took his own life. My sister and my nieces, one of my nieces, Posters and pictures of him. And there's the rub. There's the hurt. I would just love to be able to see him again. I would just love to be able to be with him. 
to hear his voice, to see his face. Thomas said, Lord, I want to be with you. We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? How is it? How, how, How can we know the way? This was important enough to Thomas that he wanted to be sure he didn't miss it. He wanted to understand. He wanted to know. He did not want to miss this. We have questions. Don't be afraid to ask God questions. God does not mind at all honest questions. Now notice here, Thomas was not questioning Jesus' knowledge. He wasn't questioning Jesus' knowledge at all. He wasn't questioning Jesus' love. He wasn't questioning Jesus' motives. He wasn't questioning Jesus' care. Those questions would have been out of line. You know, those questions are out of line. You know, it's, it, it, when you ask those questions, it's as if God owes us an explanation. He doesn't owe us an explanation. But Thomas simply wanted to make sure he could follow Jesus. And Jesus answered clearly because he wanted Thomas to know. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. This is not a reply of arrogance. This is not a reply to keep people out of heaven. This is not a reply to confuse people. This is not a reply of an elitist. This is not a a reply with maybes in it. It was a clear answer to a sincere question. We don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. You see, when you ask Jesus a question, then listen for his answer. Listen for his answer. His answer comes, you know, it comes through his word, the Bible. It comes through his people, our relationship with others who know Jesus. It comes through opened and closed doors. His answers come through a confirmation of his spirit with our spirit. When you ask him a question, then listen to the answer. We need to move along. The final incident we have with Thomas is in John chapter 20. It's on page 1000. Turn there, John chapter 20. We're going to move through this part quickly. This is after Jesus' crucifixion and after his resurrection. It's on the other side of what we just read. That was just before the crucifixion. This is just after the resurrection. Verse 19, John chapter 20, beginning with verse 19. It says, In the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace to you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side, so the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. After saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But one of the twelve, Thomas, called twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, We've seen the Lord. 
But he said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now mark your spot because we're going to pick up with those other verses in a minute here. You know, just, just, what a thing to miss. I mean, really, what a thing to miss. Thomas, the only one who voiced the question, you know, a few days earlier, where are you going? Where, where, we don't, we want to, I want to be able to see you again. Where are you going? You know, how, how is it? And, and he, and he missed it. Wouldn't that just make you sick? I mean, he missed it. Years ago, I was the men's director for, uh, for the central uh, district here, central region, and we used to do, some of you will remember, we used to do a Cubs outing every year. We'd get a thousand tickets, and it started out with just men and boys, but then, you know, it was more of a family thing. Well, we'd get the tickets, and then they would let us in, the, in Wrigley Field. We'd get in an hour before it opened to the general public. And they'd allow us to, to uh, do some, uh, a little program type thing. We always made contact with the chaplain there or somebody and tried to make contact with some of the players so that they would, could come up and tell us about their relationship with Christ. Well, this one year, I'm, you know, we had done all of this planning and stuff. And, uh, you know, you always make these contacts and you never know who's going to show up. I'm working in the office here, you know, a few days before the thing. Mandy calls me, you know, our daughter Mandy calls me. She said, Dad, Joe Girardi just called. Joe Girardi was catcher for the Cubs. You know, he, he went on. I mean, he's been manager for the, I think he won a World Series. Didn't he win a World Series? Yeah, with the, with the Yankees. You know, it was Joe Girardi, a very solid, committed Christian guy. So he called, and she, you know, she tells me, Dad, Joe Girardi called. I said, oh, I said, did you, did, did you tell him to call me at the office? No, I took a message. What? You took a message. I want to talk to Joe Girardi for pity's sake. How many people have a professional baseball player call their house? He calls the house. You can't tell him. Call him at the office. I wanted to talk to the guy. Yo, it was what a thing to miss. That's nothing missing the presence of Jesus, though. Thomas, you know Thomas. Jesus came. Thomas missed it. That's more than a bummer. I mean, you, you could understand. You know, some people make a big deal sometimes out of Thomas saying, I want to see the marks in his hands and his side. He only asked for the same proof the other disciples got. It says when Jesus came to them that he showed, them that he showed him his hands and he showed him his side. He was only asking for the same thing that the other, the other disciples all had their doubts. You know, they had that. When, the women, when the women saw Jesus at the tomb after his resurrection... They went to the apostles and they told him. It says then, you know, she went, she reported to those who had seen him as they were mourning and weeping. Yet when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they didn't believe it. They doubted. They, they had doubts. They got to see Jesus. And some of them then when they were walking on the way to Emmaus, and when they were walking on the way to Emmaus, and some of them, and they saw Jesus and they interacted with him. Well, it goes on, it says, then after this, he appeared in a different form to two of them walking on the way in the country. When they went and reported it to the rest, they didn't believe them either. These guys had their doubts. Their response was less than a maybe. Their response was, no, not, that didn't happen. You know, that, uh, you know now some of them had seen Jesus for themselves. And the apostles still didn't believe it. Then Jesus comes to the apostles. They believed. Thomas missed it. Well, he missed the first one, that is. Pick up with verse 26. 
Back there in John chapter 20 still, verse 26. It says, after eight days, his disciples were indoors. Eight days, I thought, boy. Because it says he told them, you know, they told Thomas more than once, we saw Jesus. Okay, that's probably not how they said it, but maybe. Uh, after eight days, his disciples were indoor again, indoors again, and Thomas was with them. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be an unbeliever, but believe. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. Now the disciples were still meeting behind closed doors because they, they figured they could be next. They killed the leader, they could kill the other guys. So they, you know that first day you can understand. But then they saw Jesus alive. After they saw Jesus alive, eight days later, they're still meeting behind locked doors, it says. At best, they were barely catching on to the reality of the resurrection. At best. You know, and here they are behind locked doors. Now again, it says Jesus miraculously appears in a locked room with them. And he replies to Thomas, giving him the proof he asked for, which again was simply the same proof that he had given to the other apostles. It was simply, Thomas, was, I, I, Thomas it seems, was just saying to them, you know, you saw that, I want to see that. I want to see that. You saw it, I want to see it. I don't care what you saw. I want to see it. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know where that told him. But Thomas replied, it puts him at the front of the pack with his understanding of who Jesus is. My Lord and my God. Here you have a devout Jewish man. For a devout Jewish man to call someone God was unheard of. It was unheard of. They would not do it. And here Thomas submits himself to Jesus, acknowledges Jesus as God, the one and only sovereign God. There is no maybe for him here. There isn't a maybe. You know, he made one of the clearest statements in all of Scripture about who Jesus is. One of the clearest ones there. When you have the opportunity, when you have the opportunity, be clear about who Jesus is. Be clear. Leave no doubt. Leave no doubt. No maybe. Be clear. When you have that opportunity to tell others, to interact with others about who he is, be clear. History tells us that Thomas brought news about Jesus all the way to India. And I was hesitating on, on t uh, Tuesday night after I was doing some of the study. I've, I've been hesitating about, you know, I've been telling you how some of these guys died. I had nightmares on Tuesday. I really did. You know, I, after studying some of this stuff, um, Thomas, you know, his life was given for the Lord too. You know, his life was given in... You know, it, it, he died there in India, is the way it seems. And, uh, you know, but you know what? There he was then, and he stepped right back into the presence of Jesus, the one he wanted to be with, the one he said, Lord, we don't know the way. I want to be with you. Please tell us the way. Don't live, 
Don't live with a maybe relationship to Jesus. Live with a clear one. Thomas may have been a bit pessimistic, but he was always clear that he was following Jesus. Be clear. Father, thank you for the, the, the privilege of being able to know you and being able to represent you. We don't always remember that. We don't always remember that it makes a difference. Just as these apostles made a difference in the lives of others, and just as others have made a difference in our life, Father, what you have done in our life may be making a difference in someone else's life right now. Help us to be clear. It is not us, and it's not because we are anything special. It is because you are something special. It's because you are God. It's because you are Lord. And that makes all the difference in the world. Help us to be clear about the reality of you, we pray. In your name, amen.